You are welcome to the Niger Filmmaker, a podcast about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Chama Anyewe. She's a storyteller, art curator, and deep sea diver. She has produced projects in numerous mediums such as film, documentary, and stage. We talk about producing across mediums, festival programming, and what it means to truly direct a project. If you're a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Hi Chema, you're welcome to the Niger Filmmaker. Uh, thanks for having me. All right, um, so can you introduce yourself? I'm Chema, I'm a storyteller, I'm an art curator, I'm uh, aspiring surfer and a deep diver, just general. Um, and I try to tell, I guess, I try to tell stories, kind of intersection of history, culture, identity, and uh, across different mediums. So I work on stage, on podcast, on theater, well, I said theater, documentaries, film. And uh, yeah, that's that's me, I guess. Okay. So I, I read that you studied um, economics in university. Yes, I did. I studied economics. Okay, so like, what was your introduction to the film industry? Um, so, well, I think my introduction to the film industry was always through storytelling. You know, I read a lot of books, I watched a lot of films, um, and it was always something I was interested in. But as a career, I didn't start to think about it fully until maybe my final year in university. So I, even while I was in, while I was studying economics, I would volunteer on people's sets um, as a production assistant for a documentary here, feature there. And uh, my final year thesis was about the, about Nollywood um, and about like how we can generate income and revenue and jobs. So it was always something I'd been interested in, Um, but it wasn't until after like I finished school and um yeah that i started to make films okay and yeah you you went to um film school at the med film school in london yeah i did i did i did um so first of all i did like weekend courses so when i was doing of course my master's um and it was also in like management yeah um i wanted to do film school instead uh, but I didn't get I didn't get I, I didn't I didn't get the, I didn't get the money to do that. So what yeah. I did was I started to do weekend courses. So I did weekend courses at London Film Academy, and then after I finished my masters, I did like a two month course at Med Film School. Yeah, and then I still I still try to work because uh, before then I worked in consulting and investment banking. So I still try to do some project management work before I decided to like you know um, go full time into film. Okay. And um, how was the film school experience? Was it like insightful, formative? Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, it was, it was, um, it was, <laughs> it was interesting, I guess. Like I, the thing about, the best thing about film is really that it's collaborative. Yeah. And it's also yeah. can be the worst thing about film is that it's collaborative. So you have, you have, you have no control um over over a lot of things so you have to trust you have to be vulnerable and it was a good experience mainly because it was you know you have to work with people and knowing that there are people who are equally as vested equally as passionate um and we're all students together but we're all like invested in making sure everybody's film like had like great outputs you know so that was great mm-hmm. um and yeah, so like I think that's where that's where you're really stuck with a passion, you know. Like you're stuck with you. You have people who are there just for for the love of it, and then mm. you come out of film school, and you know, and then everything changes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I think that's a, that's the best thing about film school. Okay, and um, you know, you you went on to direct a feature, Eight Bars and a Clef. Yes, I did. Okay, um, can you tell us a bit about that project? How um you know you started it and yeah making making the movie um so eight bars and a clef um how did that start that's such a long time ago <laughs> but um but yeah so I think you know it's it's it for me like I guess I I tend to jump into the deep end 
mm. of things, right? So before then, I had done like a web series called God Diamonds is Monday. Yeah. And mm. I had done another short film. I done another like a, I've done some like short some short form content. So I was like, oh, I was ready to make a feature, and I knew that I wanted it to be based on um, to be kind of have to have a message, you know, in a sense. Yeah. Um. So that was where 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 that came from because my cousin is dyslexic, and I wanted to kind of tell that story, but in like um in an entertaining way. Um, and yeah, like, I guess it was, it was, it was a baptism by fire. Um, I, it was, I think it was a lot more lessing making that film than, than any year film school can give you. Yeah. Uh, but then, but yeah, but it was important for me to make it. And I was also able to get like, um, some funding from Nollywood. Um, there was, um, the Jonathan thing where they were, what's it called? Project Nollywood. Um, Act Nollywood or something. Uh, Project Act Nollywood, yes, exactly. So uh, for a first feature, and, you know, I had applied without knowing anybody, yeah. kind of completely blank. And, you know, I got in and I was able to like get money out to make the, to, to finish the film or to make the film. Yeah. So that was like very encouraging, you know, because it was like, you know, I didn't, I honestly didn't know anybody. Um, but then before then I had um, volunteered for Afrif. So I started to meet people within the industry. Uh um but yeah like it was it was it was a good process to like take to start and finish and to like you know get it onto the cinema and get it onto distribution and to learn but it was an expensive uh learning curve okay so you know taking um i mean raising financing making the film um going all the way to distribution like um what what did you um particularly learn about the way nollywood operates like what's you know, should people look out for? Um, so I think huh, the first thing I would say is don't try to do everything yourself, right? So what happens a lot is maybe because you've secured some financing, you want to direct, you want to act, you, you know, you want to produce direct, you know, you want to kind of do the, the long haul. Mm. It really helps to have a team. So, um, I mean, I did reach out to like a couple of people initially to kind of like more to act as like a supervisory producer yeah. for me. Um, but I wasn't able, our timelines were not able to work and with the budget I had as well. Um, so, but that really helps. And to also take your time. So every time I think with Lagos in general, like it always feels like, you know, everybody's rushing, you know? So like you get in touch with an actor, they'd be like, you know, I'm only available uh, this for this date, you know? So you feel you have to m make your project work for their dates but mm. no it's the other way around like you have to own your project yeah you have to you have to take charge of that so and if even if it means that you don't work with the talent you want to work with or is your first choice it helps to to own the project you know what i mean like so that's very important so don't get carried away don't let anybody like sway you move your vision what would be for you would be for you that, yeah. that's one um and if it follows through, because at the end of the day, like your film is, um, your film is 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 your is your film that would last for the rest of your life. You yeah. know, so you're able to you're, you'll be able to sell it over and over again. You know, if it's great, you know, if it's good. So there's really no rush. So take your time through the entire process, from the scripting to the shooting to you know the post production. I know it's, it sounds indulgent, but when you think about a project in the span of the lifetime of the project, yeah. then you see that like one year is nothing, two years is nothing, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so trying to get everything done like in a few months, you know, it doesn't, doesn't pay in the long run, in my opinion. Yeah. The more you kind of take time with it, you're able to figure out who is invested in it at the same time. Yeah. Um, and ask questions like ask questions don't 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 go anything blind if there's anybody you need to get in touch with get in touch with ask about everybody ask you know find out where people have worked before ask about them ask about how they work you know do your due diligence because yeah do your due diligence <laughs> uh, and i'm not just saying that in a negative way yeah um, 
it's, it's, it's not just to be negative. It's also like it's your it's your responsibility if it's your project to know how, you know, how this particular actor works or, you know, what they will respond to more or how. So you can start to take ownership of your project. Um, that's one. And then, yeah, I, I guess that's that's mainly it. Because if you do your homework and and if you're the director, get a producer. If you're the producer, get a director, you know, like, you don't come in like trying to do everything so hopefully you're able to like balance out uh, balance that out but yeah okay yeah so um as afri if you were a program director and also at some point the artistic director yes i was yeah so um can you break down those two roles for us what were your responsibilities um, so I started at AFRIF as a volunteer. So I was volunteering within the program. So more like, so the program is like, the program director or program, well, whatever. It's mainly, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I'm not really stuck on titles, but it's it's really, uh, it's about coordinating the program, right? So even when I became like artistic director, I was still coordinating the program, you yeah. know? So, and AFRIF has training it has capacity building stuff it has master classes it has industry sessions it has films you know that needs to be programmed in terms of for the week when is you know what are the films coming in so at some point it started with you know like you know we had like artistic director who would select the films so that's like the job of the artistic director is to say these are the films that we want in the program and then you kind of coordinate around that, you know, mm. so who are the filmmakers, where are the films, have they arrived, you know, what's, what days do we schedule it for, who wants a premiere status, things like that, or who has a premiere status, who do we give, like, you know, the best time time slots to, things that's coordinating yeah. uh, the film program, and then the industry sessions, you know, who's coming to talk, who's part of a panel, the only thing I wasn't kind of, like, hands-on on was the parties, because yeah. uh, that was a different department. Um but then the artistic is now, but af over time, like, you know, because I would watch, like, and Afrif was amazing because it was really my introduction to African cinema. Yeah. Afrif is amazing. It's still, it's still holding in November this year. Um, it's, it, was, it was my introduction to African cinema. Uh, the first film I saw was uh, Jamil Kubeka's A Good Report. Mm. And before then, it was a complete, like, blank space. I hadn't seen anything. I, I hadn't really seen anything on the continent. Um, and over the course of time, seeing films like, you know, I'm Not a Witch, uh, Nairobi Half-Life, yeah. um, to be able to, like, you know, watch out for what this, um, watch out for what these filmmakers are doing and start to program, you know, start to think about, you know, what are the films that we want to see in the festival. Um, started to do more documentary watching as well. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so that's really, like, the progression. As, so there's still the, you know, the runaround part, but then there's also the, like, the artistic, you know, you know, like I want to see these films. Like this, these are the films that we should we should select for this year because this is what we want to see. Things like that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like um, you've been a programmer for Afri for several years, and then you also um programmed um the short film category for um Durban International Film Festival, and yes. Yeah, you're also doing that for the widescreen um, film yep. festival. Yeah. So what what um, do programmers look for when they are trying to select films for their festivals? <sighs> so, I mean, like, it's so subjective. That's why it's so, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's very subjective. But really, I think after, it's really what do I enjoy, yeah. you know, and that's why it's good to have a diverse group of programmers because we enjoy different things, yeah. you know? So at the very first basic level, it has to be well-made, you know? So, so this is not a question about like, is, is the sound good or, you know, no, that's, that's, that's not what it's about. Yeah. Um, because there should be like normally like pre-selectors that would at least make it just to, so, so technically you're, you're on the same. I mean, some, some might have like more, more pizzazz, but there's a technical um, minimum that you yeah. have to meet. Um, but really, it's, you know, it's it's sometimes, you know, with like Wild, wild Screen, it's a nature documentary, you know, natural world storytelling festival. And it was my first time, like, really immersing myself in those kind of documentaries. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's the type of thing that 
coming from more like African cinema, like watching, watching you know, stories about the links or about a father and a son who had the going on this adventure to take photographs of all the wild cats mm. in the world. You know, like it's it was very it was it was completely different experience, but it was also very enjoyable um, because. It was storytelling, you know, and, and that's and that's the interesting, that's the most important thing is like, you know, are you true to your story? Yeah. And it doesn't matter like what genre it is. It doesn't matter like, you know, if you're watching a cat, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't matter like if you're watching like an action, action horror film or, yeah. you know, like, but who are your characters and do they have a journey and can you take us on that journey with them? Um and that's really like the core of everything, because even in even in like uh, the, I think I saw everything everywhere at once, you know, like even in films that are so expansive and have such wide, um, you know, the multiverse stories, like the core, you know, there's still a character journey, you know, like it's like, what does this character want? Yes. And, you know, can can am I, do I care about this character and do I care enough about this character to to get on this journey with this character for the next 90 minutes? It's to two hours or if it's a short 15 minutes you know i saw um even uh, the winning short for diff this year as well and it's really about that like do i care why should i care you know and the character can be you know um not living thing but <laughs> but like even in telling a wild even in telling stories of you know of of romania of like the earth you know like there's still like narration, there's still music, there's still, you know, there's still some, there's still things that go into the storytelling that makes, makes me invested. Yeah. So I think that's the most important thing. So it doesn't matter if it's a donkey, it doesn't matter if it's a feature or a chores. It's just, you know, why should I care? But like I say, like it's, it's, it's what I enjoy. And it's coming into that knowledge that, you know, people are actually, people care about your point of view. Mm. So it's, I, I find things, things might be really well done. Uh, like really well, you know, really well performed and really well acted. But I find that I don't care yeah. or I, it's not for me. And, you know, and yeah, and it's, it's, I wouldn't sell it, you know, so it's, it's really about like, you know, the point of views of different people. And that's why it's so subjective. And that's why it can be so infuriating as a filmmaker. And sometimes, you know, there's a mandate to, to, to tell a particular topic, you know, if there's a theme around the festival, yeah. people want to tell stories, uh, people want to focus on a particular theme. So if your film is within that theme and it's not as well done, there might be some leeway. And, and it's not necessarily like quota or like diversity quotas or things like that. But mm. sometimes you find that you haven't been as open to certain, to work from certain areas or work from certain. And so you're, you're a bit more, open to it and because you're open to it you're you know you're you don't you come at it you come at it with you come at it easier in a sense so yeah so sometimes there's that but it's really a you know tell a good story tell a story that is true to you and take us on an interesting journey yeah okay your directing journey like what insights have you learned that you know informs um the way you approach projects the way you direct your projects so i think for me like because i study economics right so producing is more comes easier to me mm-hmm. um it's more of a and it's not even just because i studied economics like as a as a project manager as you know things like that like i can produce in my sleep um directing tends to take more out of me huh. um it requires me to be more vulnerable I don't like that very much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but so, like, in a sense, like, I've, I, I've, I, and I haven't, I haven't directed as much, I'd say. But then it just requires me to mainly, I guess, more documentaries now. Yeah. But to be more, yeah, yeah to be more vulnerable. Um, to to it's it's more it's more work for me. And, um, and because I don't, I don't, so yeah, so I guess it has to really, for, for my choices now in, in choosing to direct, like it has to really stay with me. Yeah. So if it's a story or, or something and I don't write as much, yeah. um, so I, I work with writers all, all the time. Um, the, I think the only thing I've written and directed myself was my very first web series uh, God Damn It Is Monday mm. and that was an adaptation from a blog 
but yeah, like I guess like it's it's more there's so many stories to tell, but if I feel like I can only be the one to tell it, then that's when I can consider directing it. Yeah. But if I if I if I feel like, you know, it's it doesn't belong to me, like, you know, I can make it happen, but does this story belong to me? Then then there's no need. Yeah. And um for the vulnerability part, like, is it that maybe because you're not so comfortable with it, you have to give in more or like what makes it like what um elicits the vulnerability? So the, the thing about it, you know, as, as a director, like you're, it's very much what is your point of view. Yeah. You know, and you have to be, you have to be confident in, and, you know, you have to, you have to have a point of view, you know. Yeah. And I guess that's, 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 um, and it depends, you know, like it's, it, it can be, you know, I mean, there's a story, if it's fiction, you know, there's a script and you have to interpret that. But, but then everyone, it's, it's really like, what is your vision about this? Like, you know, like it's kind of, what can you see? It's, does it come to you? Like, mm. And some things just don't, you know, like it's not, so there's a, there's, there's a skill level for it, which is, you know, which is great. Um, but really like it's, vulnerable for me like I, I guess the last speaking on even like maybe the last shorts the documentary shorts huh. was I mean this was a story that I had stayed with for three years yeah. plus um and in finding the subjects in connecting with the subjects um with with mercy and in you know and and she and you know and she you know so many times you know she, I was infuriated but in yeah. <laughs> but in a very personal way, you know, like <laughs> even before her, you know, even in like the interviews before, even to like craft the story, the pre-work to like to, to figure out like what kind of the film and the idea that that was in the film that I set out to make. Uh. I set out to make a completely different film. Um, and it was, it was an absentee film. You know, the, the, the goal of my film was, you know, her husband was not around. And so I'm going to get this wedding with a portrait yeah, and you know, it was the the man wasn't there, and then the wedding didn't even happen, you know, uh-huh. because we got stuck in in, in the bride price uh, negotiation. So, and just not having that, for instance, like yeah. I got stuck, you know, like because, and for months, like I couldn't figure out like what the film was, as opposed to like you know, so it was even with like consultants, you know, it's like okay, like what do you have? <laughs> so let's go back to what you actually have. Um, but things like that, like you know, it gets to me. I guess that's why it's like you know, um, as as a producer, I can be more practical. You know, I can like you know, I can like you know, I can. It's about the project, you know, so we have to make it work. So, but with directing, like everything, like gets to me. You know, like with the the the, the, the talent. You know, like I take it personal. You know, like are you? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that's where that's where the moral music comes in, but. <laughs> it's it's more like it's uh yeah and i like and yeah i have to i re- i really have to like tap in you know you have to connect you have yeah. to like get in on you have to call you have to i whether it's a documentary subject or an actor you know you have to be really invested you know you have to care yeah um as a director to me you know as um as a producer um not as much you know i think because i have like more like project priority and like we need to get this done within this budget, within this time frame. We need mm. this, you know. We need, to, you know, we need to do this. And fine, like I am a creative producer, but uh, but I can I can divest, you know, my <laughs> emotional core, yeah, a bit more. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay, so yeah, let's yes, talk, let's talk about this documentary. Um, the name is Ime Ego, yeah. Ime Ego. Yes. Ime Ego. And um, you talked about being with this project for three years. So can you like um, tell us about the timeline? Because, I mean, it's currently on Ate and I'm going to put it in the show notes. Um, and Generation Africa was involved. So like, how did the whole thing come together? You know, you had this story, you had the different um, documentary you wanted to make. And, you know, there were, I guess... The, like maybe some grants that you you got to make this um, documentary. So how did everything come together? Let's start from the story you wanted to tell. 
Um, so actually, the story I wanted to tell changed a couple of times. So what happened is Generation Africa is a collection of films. Huh. So there was a call in 2018, so four years actually, there was a call in 2018 from Steps. Huh. Steps Africa is a South African-based production company. They also own like AfriDocs and they invested in like making like documentary content. Um, and they had done a collection called, I think, White Poverty. And it had like, you know, it's a collection about poverty, but from filmmakers across the world. Yeah. And they realized, like, you know, a lot of the films around immigration, actually, um, and wasn't told by African filmmakers. So when you see people sweeping up, you know, in Europe or, you know, like all the films, basically in, 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 the, in the public space, a lot of films around kind of irregular immigration or, you know, and things like that, you know, weren't told by us. So that was the mandate for Steps and Generation. So that's what Generation Africa became. It's like, okay, let's let's start this. Let's African filmmakers start to tell our own stories with like documentary films around the theme of illegal immigration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also there was a whole skill up process because, you know, like we're not documentary people. And documentary, our documentary mainstay started from like NGO docs, which is more like talking heads and interviews mm. and not like not documentary film. So it started with like a call out for filmmakers to, you know, send in, you know, their thoughts around documentaries around this subject, you know. And I remember like at the time, I think I was watching a 90 Day Fiancé, yeah. right? And it was Michael and Angela. So my like my idea was around like that, you know, it was around like, you know, the idea of marriage as a way to to Japa, you know, yeah. as a way to emigrate. Uh, but where there was like inconsistencies, you know, like the so where, because, you know, a lot of the time, and then I know I have family members where, you know, that they, they, they came to find, but, 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 the, but with the reverse, you know, the reverse for me was not, you know, like Michael finding a, an Uibo woman to go and marry abroad was, but more the story of the men who come back yeah. to find wives. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's, you know, but what are the wives thinking, you know, like what, what is, I know there's agency, but they also want to travel, you know, they also want to, and even though the men might not have gotten their papers or they have to marry white women first. Um, and you know, there's this whole, you know, there's, I mean, and that's a whole other story, you know, that, 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 that I'm invested in is, is that, that idea of the man abroad coming here to find a wife Mm. and the wife without knowing him or knowing him or, you know, you know, wanting to, you know, go and meet this man abroad, you know, and that was kind of where the concept started, but, but more around like, how do you start the concept of family, the concept of life and how that starts when somebody is not even there. So my uncle wasn't present for his traditional marriage either. They had to stand in for him. And, you know, you see these things, you know, happen like in the village, but you never really know about about it before it happens. You know, that's the problem because people don't talk about it. You don't know that he's not going to be around. Um, So it's mainly like something that comes up after. So over time, what I started to do was interview a lot of women who, and men actually, who have been in these marriages with their significant other abroad. And for some of them, they haven't been able to go for like 15, 17 years, Um, but they're still married, you know, (laughs) and they still, they're still in this family. They're still, you know, they're still, they're, 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 they're doing, I wouldn't call the house help work, but you know, they're taking care of his family here. Yeah. Uh, and he sends money back. But, you know, in one, one or two situations, he's not been able to come back because he still doesn't have his papers after 10 plus years. Mm. In another situation, he comes back, but she still hasn't been able to join him because he has a wife there. Um, that's, you know, so he comes back and just, you know, he comes back, impregnates her, goes back. Um, so, yeah, so there's so many of this kind of like stories. And that's really what I wanted to explore. The whole thing was going to be a short so I wanted this to start on the day it starts, you know. So the idea was it was the wedding day itself, yeah. but also to just examine the psyche behind this person who was taking this, making this choice to go into this life, you know, and hopefully, you know, come back to, you know, come back to the same person much later in a few years and see if they've been able to go, if they've not been able to go, you know, things like that. So that's, so it was actually called Ibanko because it was about the traditional wedding. Yeah. And uh, so I was looking for a bride who I would know about ahead of time and who would be able to, you know, who I would have access to, of course. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's how this, this came about. And you know, the, 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 the man will be absent, which was what happened. 
but then what had happened was even worse was because because he was absent you know his family took liberties because he had sent money um and they had gone there but they hadn't seen how i guess I don't say impoverished they were. So it was, it was, they, you know, they, they started to like, you know, take the piss in uh, terms of, you know, with, with something that is, and I thought like bright price negotiations were more, I mean, like you already agree yeah. you know, before you come. You know? So that's talk back and forth talk is, is not necessarily like make or break, you know? Yeah. So until that happened. Um, so yeah, so that's the process. So, and because, um, it was a collection, so Ate, well, as a broadcaster, um, contributed to it and brought the money. Um, Steps Africa raised most of the money, and it's not just me. Other Nigerian filmmakers are part of the program. Ike um, um, Inebre, yeah. he has his film No mm. U-Turn. It premiered at Berlin. He just won at Durban. Yeah. Uh, it's a feature mm. film uh, about a man who, because Ike tried to make the trip he, he attempted to make the trip about 20 years ago um, to get on a bus and go to Europe. Yeah. But somehow he, he turned back somewhere in, um, I don't know if he got to Senegal or he, so somewhere there he turned back. Yeah. So, um, so basically, so he now kind of made, made this film about him kind of going back and making that trip again, but then meeting people along the way. So AK's film is there. And so the whole collection and, you know, and there were filmmakers, they ended up being about 28 of us across Africa. Yeah. Um, with shorts, yeah. long uh, films from Sudan, uh, but just different films coming from different angles. Some are more investigative. Some deals with like a China and what they're taking over, like um, the the ocean in somewhere in Africa. Some yeah. deals with. Uh, so yeah, so it's it's a it's a great it's a great collection of films. So yeah. Okay, so like for for some of these um financiers for docs like. Again, I guess it, it depends on, you know, what they are after. But, like, are there certain things that um, kind of work in your favor when, you know, you're applying for these grants? Um, so, when for documentaries, the documentary space, I find it really interesting, um, especially because I guess people are not as... Um, as... I don't know, like I find it really interesting, you know, like it's, 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 it's almost untapped. And, you know, like just recently um, we had a, we have an Emmy nominated Nigerian filmmaker um, uh. just this year, uh, Shion Babalola, yeah. who was nominated for um, Frederick, for- Frederick Forsyth, um, the documentary, it's a HBO, HBO, HBO documentary film. Yeah. Um, so what happens is there, because documentaries are not commercially viable, you know, necessarily so now of course you're able to get documentaries on streamers but even then you know the it doesn't have it doesn't command the same fees as fiction um so you have to be really creative around fundraising around documentaries so what's the documentary saying if it's if it's if there's a message based then there are different like organizations that might be attuned to that particular message yeah. that can reach out to and for the market based as well so like we don't have of course lo- other countries have more support financing and support countries but with documentaries there's still um this um this uh, blue ice hot dogs fund oh. so a lot of the documentary mm-hmm. festivals have like markets attached to them yeah that you can apply mm-hmm. for like funding for they i mean they're very competitive but because we don't they don't necessarily see a lot come out from nigeria um and we have a lot of stories to tell so it's it'll be interesting to see uh east africa is doing great with documentaries they're getting getting into sundance they're getting into uh pbs um yeah. what's the name of this film um i can't remember it just slipped my mind but yeah but yeah so yeah so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of space in the documentary world, but then documentary films is is uh, softy. That's what I'm trying to remember, softy. Yeah. But documentary yeah. films are now you know are they're as engaging. You know, there's conflict, there's tension, there's you know like it's not it's not about talking, it's not about interviews. It's also about knowing how to tell the stories, so you have an engaging film. Um, so yeah, that's okay. 
So yeah, at this point, um, can you mention three random facts about yourself? Three random facts. Yeah. About myself. Um, what's a random fact? Well, it's not random. I, I also, I also. I also run uh, an art website called artday.com, A-R-T-D-E-Y.com. And yeah. uh, I started doing the pandemic uh, to provide a platform for Nigerian artists and emerging artists. And uh, yeah, so we sell art all over the world to connect like local artists to global collectors. Yeah. So that's one. Um, two, I've been trying to learn how to play the violin. <laughs> Okay. And um, <laughs> how is that going? I'm still constituting a new sense, oh. uh, but I, I need to spend more time to take it seriously. Uh, but yeah, so that's great. And then uh, three was the third random fact. Um, yeah, I, I think the third random fact is probably that you know I I actually dream of of coaching an artistic swimming team okay. from Nigeria. So synchronized swimming yeah. and taking them to the Olympics. So I think it's the most beautiful sport like to, to watch and to see because, you know, this dance, this gymnastics, the swimming, this diving, like it's the most fascinating thing to watch. So I, I, I dream of like coaching uh, a team yeah. of young, young girls um, to the Olympics. So yeah, three random facts. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned that you can produce in your sleep. And um, you're, you're also yes. a creative producer in Daba. Yeah. You're a fellow. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So um, when you when you kind of, I guess, applied for, for that opportunity, did you apply with any projects? What are the benefits of, you know, um, being... Yeah, this creative um, producer. Um, well, first of all, I think the application for the second cohort is open now, so people should definitely apply. Um, what happened at the time? I didn't apply, so there are two that not all the producers that are in the program are applied with projects. Oh. For some, it's also about building that collective of collective of film professionals. Yeah, you know, in the industry and and outside. Um, and it's a great network. You know, I think the most important thing about like this industry, really, especially if you're if you intend to be in it for at least 50 years is your network. You yeah. know, like, you know, who 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 are you aligned with? Who are you making? But you, you don't even have to be making stuff like it doesn't even have to be something you're trying to take advantage of. <laughs> Uh, it's more about kind of cultivating it and to be able to be in a room with filmmakers across the continent and producers that have similar stories or different stories. They're trying to, you know, your, your, your mind is expanded, you know, so there's coaching and there's, there's, the, you know, there's sessions and all of that, but it's really about networking across. And when you, when you really think about it, like is it people that you, you grow with, you know, people that you come up with that tend to be in your life for a much longer period. So, mm. and that's the most important thing. I think the most important thing is like that cohort, like knowing that, you know, and you're like, it, it opens you up so to start thinking about, oh, this is how, you know, this, I have a friend who is making a film in Egypt or, you know, this person is doing something here or he's producing something there. And then you become, um, yeah, you, you just start to build that. It's about building those networks. And that's, that's how you become, you know, that's how you become truly wealthy. You know, it's like, what is your stake in people? Mm. Who are the people that are in your life? You know, who are the people that can count on you? You know, who are the people that, you know, and, and it's a good first step to, you know, to expanding that. So you're not stuck in a pigeonhole and thinking about just, you know, it's, it's easy to just think about like what's happening around me. What is this is the most important thing, but no, what, once your mind is open, then, opportunities abound you know so that's a great reason to to, to be a part of that yeah okay um you did um you made the or produced the 23419 podcast about um advanced fee fraud yes yes so um yeah again like um how did this idea for the podcast start was the podcast the original um Medium you wanted to tell this story with? 
Um, not necessarily. Like, the thing is, I, 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 I still haven't finished telling that story. So I know that there's another, you know, audiovisual medium that is key. Yeah. But um, I wanted to, I mean, it's kind of like, I saw what, like, you know, I started listening to podcasts with Serial, so more true crime podcasts mm. than interviews style podcasts. So I've always been fascinated by that. Um, then with Dirty John, for instance, it's a Netflix show that started off as a podcast as well. Yeah. So that was also like a thinking that came into it. But with 23419, you know, I guess, I mean, it's a story, it's something I'd worked on for a few years as well. Um just in gathering the information you know like yeah. i knew i wanted to tell the story of of the story of of the of the ogs you know of the ogs you know mm. of the guys in the 90s because there's so much social media now there's yeah. so much like um so with hush puppy the news is inundated you know like and then you'd see that with these stories people are going to come from outside they're going to license it they're going to try and tell it for us yeah but it's never quite the same because what would happen is you know there's going to be a white savior we're going to be portrayed in a certain light. Um, and it's not that, that you know, Nigerians are not um, stealing or, you know, or there's no there's no fraud. There is fraud, but yeah. it's more than that. And and for me, it was about, like, you know, telling a 360 story. So where you see that the person who has been said to be the victim, you know, was also complicit. Um, and that kind of changes the way, you know, the story is told. Yeah. So I think it was important me to like tell the story first and knowing that the podcast was obviously a more affordable way to do that but also I would really wanted to also play with audio like I think I've been trying my hands at different things at theater and you know and and well different things so with audio I, I feel like if you can if you, there's a discipline with like not having anything else you know yeah. to, to to show and just try and tell a story just with the with the sound and and it was an assignment for me to like you know to to conquer so that was also an reason why i did a podcast but but yeah okay so when should we be expecting a new season ah that's the problem the problem is like <laughs> the problem is the research the research it requires mm. um but i'm 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 I, I'm working on it, so it's now just in like making sure I have I have I, I, I'm able to do detailed research. And researching here is really hard because access to documents is almost impossible. So mm. I was very lucky as well to be able to get like some of the documents that I did. Um, so yeah, so it's I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, with your documentary and even with um, you know the people that you featured on. The two three four one nine podcast. Um, I mean, it takes a certain level of skill to be able to, I guess, always reassure and convince people to you know share their stories. Do you have a certain approach that works for you? Um, well, I think it does. It does. But um, one, I guess, you have to care and like really care. You know, like um. We're very close. We have we we live in a very kind of low trust society, right? So it's, I actually find documentaries hard because it's hard to get open up. Mm. So, you know, we don't, and we're not very introspective. Uh, what would happen is even as we um, even as we open up, we're not we don't ascribe certain things. We're not really thinking about oh, this is why this thing happened, you know. So we ascribe things to God, you know, mm. just like you know, or to you know, or that you'll be well, or you know, nobody really wants to dwell in there. <laughs> in in any pain or you know or yeah so so it's, it's it's still i still find it really challenging uh but it's really about just being present um i find like you to get access to get real access you have to just you have to be present because people to trust you um you just have to be there okay you produced the august meeting stage play um what were you trying to explore with that stage play August meeting was st still like, you know, like I say, like in terms of my st storytelling, you know, it's stories in the intersection of like history, culture. It's really, you know, nobody knows. I, 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 I research, you know, like I read. <laughs> oh. And um, the idea that history is is not even something that we, we, we study anymore. Or we, when you're telling the stories of, I think it was around 2017, 
when was the Me Too movement? There was like a, when the Me Too movement started. And, you know, it was now like, this was like modern day feminism. Uh. And, or, you know, and, and that's kind of like, uns, um, not onslaught, but, you know, there was, there was a whole move um, towards from 2016, 2017. And the idea for me was like, you know, there are women in our past who have stood for something, uh, but we don't know who those women are, yeah. you know. And if a hundred years ago, like Igbo women were, Igbo women were independent, Igbo women were you know, independent yet yeah, to a degree, but yes, but Igbo women were able to go, the only, they were the only force in Nigeria who fought the British. Um, and so it, th- their stories deserve to be told um, in today, you know, like, and so, yeah, so that was really like the, the, the reason why August meeting and then August meeting, of course, because it's something that is that, I mean, I think August meeting is currently ha- happening right now. Yeah. in some in some in some towns but also just linking that to to who we are today and linking you know who we were and what we could be you know oh. i guess that was the how, how the idea for that was came about okay yeah all right so what's that one um, movie or tv show that you always love to rewatch? uh what do i love to rewatch? um hmm <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, shit! On the top of my head now, uh, I'll say Kung Fu Hustle. Okay. Because I didn't. I think I probably watched that the most. Like I, I can't. I, I can't stop watching it every time it comes up. But yeah, Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. Which is weird. And what uh, about it? Um, you know, it keeps um drawing you back to it. I guess it's the perfect. It's a, now speaking as a film person, right? It's just like it's a perfect hero's journey during like unwilling hero's journey. But more than that, it's just like very enjoyable, you know, like yeah. every every. And it's also one of the non Hollywood films that I consumed much earlier. So it's the same thing, you know, when you realize when you think that, you know, a lot of your diet is coming from one place and then you see something that is not quite, you know, it's, it wasn't Hollywood. It wasn't Hollywood, but it was like, you know, it was very it was very well told. So yeah. it was one of my early introductions to like um uh, Asian uh, cinema, but um, but yeah, I guess I just I just enjoy it. Like I really, I haven't thought about it. I just like I I, I watch it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You have um released over twenty projects in different formats. Um, for you, when you're you know um starting a new project, you're planning to release it in a new medium. Like, how do you prepare yourself? Because you know. Let's say about filmmaking, you know, you you master the art of um, making films and it takes a lot of time. But for you, you have, you know, uh, moved across several mediums. How do you prepare yourself when you are doing that? Um, I don't know that I do. I just know that I guess I, I lead the story. So it's more um, what is the story I want to tell? first and then you find that some stories lend themselves to different mediums right so with august meeting you needed to have like you needed to be you needed to be call for action i didn't want to do anything subtle i wanted Uh. you know people to be angry to you know to be in the moment and then stage was obviously like the best medium for that um yeah i think the story the story comes first and I guess, like, if you're true to story, like, if you're, you know, you're trying to get tell a good story, regardless, then it would. Um, that's really the preparation for me. The medium is now just, you know, where is if you want to do stage, who are who are who are the people that want to do stage, who are like who can, or, and then all of that is like is is is, is similar in terms of planning. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, with your experience from Africa, you have come across a lot of Nollywood content. For you, what do you think we should um, prioritize as an industry in order to like elevate our standing in terms of the art and in terms of, um, you know, the technical ability of our films? What should we focus on? Writing. Um, writing, storytelling, but writing, because it all starts with script. And I think like, which is why when they're like residencies, I, I really f- hope that more people apply. And because re- I, I find that storytelling needs time to breathe. And most times we don't have the luxury of time, yeah. right? So, so yeah. you you're, you want to get four things out done. You want to 
you're writing 20 scripts or, you know, and so you're not able to breathe. You're not able to experience life. You're not able to travel. You're not able to meet people. You're not able to draw from a well because you haven't feel that well. Huh. And so the writing huh. suffers as a result. Um, just so, so it's, it doesn't feel authentic because your experiences are not authentic, you know. So the writing the development process is definitely where we still have a lot of work to do. Um, because the all the 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 um, once the because I, 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 we're, we're such a great audience when you think about it because we don't care for much yeah. you know like it's just more like we want to I think the Nigerian audience is great because we just want you to we just want you to show that you give a shit you know we just want you to show that you care mm. <laughs> and so you, that you don't take us for food and we accept everything else you know so we would watch you know technically um, bad films but we're not we're not looking for or, you know, great production design. We're not, you know, we're just looking for good storytelling. Mm. Um, and that really comes from the writing. Um, and I feel like if we can spend more time developing stories and write, spend more time with the writing, have have the writing workshopped. Um, so it doesn't, you know, you're not shooting your first or second draft. Um, you're able to like, you know, you're able to really kind of invest in that process, then we would be a lot because all of the technical bits were borrowing from from professional. Yeah. The sound would get better. Um, so so all of that, all of that bits can be fixed, but it's where the the mind. Um this series just came out, um, Sandman, right? Neil Gaiman wrote the comics when he was 26 years old. And it's a fantastic, fantastic um, comic um, series. And he was doing, I saw an interview of him in Variety. And, you know, even as they were adapting the comics to, to, to television, they were having problems. He was part of that development writing team. Yeah. And he was having problems. And he said, you know, he said something about having to go back to the 26-year-old him. And, you know, and that 26-year-old guy was like, look at you. Like, you've won awards. You're now a big, you know. You're an award-winning, older, established writer, but you're still coming to tap from my well, you know. Yeah. And it's it's really it's really that it's it's and it I mean it's it comes from everywhere, right? It comes from like your 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 your, your dreams and your thoughts and your inspiration and what you watch and what you read, and who you. But it's really about I don't know, like I don't know how to say it again, but <laughs> but. But the writing, the writing, the writing is important, and yeah. it, the writing is important, and which means living is important. Hmm. So yeah. Okay. All right. So um, where can we watch it? Buzz on the cliff. Uh, where can you watch it? It's not available anywhere at this time. But okay. once it is, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. All right. And um, right. yeah. How can people keep up with your work? Like um, the new projects you're working on. Um. Well. I have a website, so and I'm on Twitter. So I guess um, I would I, I normally would tweet things out. So my Twitter is um, what ch one zero ma, and my website is Rockentour Productions. So that's r a c o n t u r dash productions dot com. And yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Gemma, for coming on the podcast. All right. Thank you. This is a very extensive conversation. Yeah. Thank <laughs> I you. Enjoyed it. All right. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember to rate and review the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Selegal Film and the podcast at the Niger Film Pod to share your feedback. You can now support the podcast by visiting the website to donate. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.